0: hey guys welcome to you chat too much podcast this is a podcast where two international teachers joe and madge discuss various topics with the help of interesting and amazing guests each week enjoy the episode hey guys welcome back to you chat too much this is uh our sixth or seventh oh fifth podcast so far Shocking. and and we've got a, a a new topic and a really interesting topic today um, and I will get Madge to introduce in one minute um first of all Madge how are you doing how's your week been
1: oh good thank you um yeah it's been it's been a it's been a good week it's been a, a busy, very very busy week trying to get back into the normal routines of life. Like I said, it's very interesting. Pearl really hates this part of the podcast, by the way. She keeps telling me how bored she is about us sharing what we're doing in the week. And she sat right in front <laughs> of me. So I'm gonna annoy her even more. But I said to her, like it's good to kinda of, when I wanna listen back to these in years to come, it'll be good to kinda of see how things have progressed and kinda of remember the things that we did. Um but yeah, it's been what's what's been good is that I keep saying to everyone is that it's getting back into that routine from doing nothing to then going like 100, 100 mile per hour. And it's been really hard to try balancing that sleep and how tired you feel and then teaching your lessons outside as well and how much that takes it out of you. So um, it's it's been annoying in the sense that uh, it just feels like one thing after the other. You come home from work, you do a workout you have like an hour to play with the kids and you're putting them to sleep and then you're back to sleep again. And it's just that cycle. But at the same time, I love it. I love being this busy. I hate, I hate being not having nothing to do. Like where before it was like, I'd come home and I would have three hours to kill and I just end up watching TV or have a nap and just feel lazy, you know, but yeah, it's I, a, definitely, it's a, I, definitely I think it's a lack of
0: purpose, lack of purpose, isn't it? That's what we all said when it was like lockdown was the lack of purpose. Yeah. And now we're very much back into the routine. And, to be honest, we're not even back to 100% in the sense of we haven't got sports fixtures, we haven't got all our assemblies, we haven't got, and we're still tired. But yeah. teachers, we do love to have a little moan about how busy we are. But uh, no, it's great to be back. Uh, I've had a great week back to, back to school, back to CrossFit. I uh, set myself a little challenge. Uh, I told Madge this to year a day to run for basically 5k a day uh, or like 25, 30 minutes. Uh, I'm not a very good runner, but I just wanted to kind of do something where I could kind of set like a really easy challenge, 25 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day run, and then just come back. doesn't matter about the pace. doesn't matter how quick you're doing it or anything like that, but just thought it'd be like an easy one to do. So Mads, do you want to introduce our
1: guest? Yeah. So today uh, our topic is, um, about local life and more to do with more relevant to do with in malaysia but i'm sure it'd be quite interesting um, because i know people in the uk have a very different perception of what malaysia is like to what it actually is um so i'm going to introduce ethan and ethan i've known when i came in 2012 when i worked at a different school in malaysia for four years and ethan was a colleague of mine and we became friends and someone who I've still stay in touch with and still meet regularly now, like that's what, nearly 10 years now, nine, 10 years. Um, Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's a few people who from that first experience in that school who kind of helped me integrate into the local culture even more. And kind of, I still rely on them as well when it, when it comes to like, uh, (laughs) I need some help with the government stuff or, you know, just little things that I will never find out, but they, um, including Ethan kind of, help me out. So, Ethan, you want to introduce yourself, just tell people who you are, what you do.
2: Yeah, uh, Yeah. thanks guys for having me. Um, yeah, so obviously my name is Ethan. Um, well, I've been teaching for the past uh, eight years, I mean, being in international school for the past eight years, but uh, teaching I've taught for five years now. So at the moment, I um, oversee um, the corporate activities and also um, the sports in school. Uh, in an international school here in uh, Kuala Lumpur. Um, yeah, so it's been three years I've been doing that. And uh, I've had a good mix in the school, uh, working with a lot of expats. And uh, it's been pretty enjoyable
1: this past three years so far. Yeah. So um, one of the things when I, I actually spoke to Ethan like months ago about doing this episode, and he was so nervous about coming on here because, one, he's, he's in a very difficult position because... He works with a lot of expats, and we're kind of asking him to give his point of view. Uh, although we're not telling him to represent Malaysia or or every Malaysian out there, but it's basically trying to give a point of view, which I think would be useful to even my expat friends and colleagues, um, especially the people that I work with now, um, just because I, I'm quite lucky that I had that exposure first time round. is one of the benefits, Um I'll talk about a little bit like that, about that more but I kind of wanted Ethan to kind of just kind of explain what it's like being a local um just amongst Malaysians and then also what it feels like to be a local uh, amongst expats but also in an international food school because I think there's so I know there's different things we've we've had this chat loads of times Um but I don't think many expats know this so I'm hoping that you just give a perspective that just makes them reflect and think about it. it's not like you telling them also i want you to feel comfortable in uh, saying what you need to say don't just just know that you're not offending anyone right um and yeah we'll just take it from there i,
0: th- I think as well like I'll, I'll interject and say like we between myself and madge we do these topics and and we choose these topics based on things that we as individuals as well want to improve on so whether it's like race or ha- um you know pursuit of happiness or a goal setting or anything and some of them are less intrusive and less um controversial and things like that but yeah it's all just in a bid to chat and 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 be exposed to different perspectives so yeah i just wanted to add that as well that this uh ethan's not going to speak on everybody and we're not going to speak on every ac- expat either um yeah. so uh so yeah go on start us off Madge, with the first question for Ethan. Uh, before
1: i start um- Joe, I need to kind of get this out. Is, is your t-shirt inside out or is that the style?
0: Um, this is a, a non-visual podcast, so uh, I'm going to... It's throwing that, me off though. Yeah, it's it's it, it's yeah. just like a comfy t-shirt which looks inside out, but it's not inside out. So apologies for my attire.
1: We'll, tra- we'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> right, um, so first question, um, Ethan. Um, so I kind of give a little bit of background here. One, one thing that really, uh, annoys me about, uh, in how people identify themselves in Malaysia, because, um, in you, in the UK, regardless of race, especially me being from a different background, I still identify myself as British, I don't say British Pakistani or British Asian, I just say British. Mm-hmm. But one of the things here that I've noticed is that it's a very diverse place with uh, race. Uh, culture, backgrounds, history, everything. And, but here it's very common for people to say, like, even my wife is, uh, what she class herself as Indian here. Um, and even on her IC card, which is the ID card, it says Indian. Where in most cases, like for me, I would class as everyone who's got a Malaysian passport is Malaysian, but it's not class like that here, right? It's either you're Indian, you're Chinese or you're Malay but it's never it's very rarely said that you're Malaysian Indian or Malaysian Chinese when you ask someone uh, when people identify themselves as I identify themselves either Indian Chinese or Malay so can you explain that a little bit more um, and also yeah. kind of explain what it's like for the different races and how it is for for people to live a local life here yeah uh,
2: yeah thanks yeah, that is true um so being Malaysian is something we definitely know we are we are Malaysian, but then we also know that we are segregated by our race as a Malaysian here. So definitely, as myself, I'm an, I'm a Malaysian Indian, and uh, obviously I have the Malaysian Chinese, and you got the Malay Malays. Um, to be honest, my point of view in terms of my circle of friends, we don't really look at our race and, and compare ourselves. We pretty much you know we mix around and get along, but the the whole idea of you know when when you identify yourself in terms of a race tends to come whenever you're filling up a government form or some sort of form that you're filling up in the office uh where you've got to state what your race is i guess that's kind of given sometimes but then when you look at the fact that what race you are affects sometimes the kind of benefit you get or the likelihood of you uh, get, getting something it's it's quite um sad really when you think about it um so you know being a malaysian indian when i look at myself you know um, we definitely are the minority um and that's in fact even acknowledged in the recent budget uh, allocation for the country um i don't know if you've seen but they've, they've they've allocated like a few hundred million for the malays and then like 5% for the chinese and i think like 3 or 2% for the indians so you know, even though it's not something that happens within my immediate circle, it's definitely some an, an idea that's been passed down, um, set to say from just the, how government
1: practices, yeah. So, so how does that affect you then? How has that affected you growing up? How does that affect you now?
2: Um, so when you look at it, um, I, you know, when you, even though you're Malaysian, if you're a Malaysian Indian or Malaysian Chinese, you tend to have to work harder to build, your, build up your life, to earn that scholarship or, you know, in fact, um, from personal stories, I've had a cousin who's, who's gone like straight A's, um, did really well in his exams, but he was not able to get a government scholarship for his studies to pursue uh, education. Uh, but then when you hear stories of his friends who've gotten like probably five A's now, four A's who are Malays, they seem to be able to get a scholarship much easier. Uh, I personally have not uh, gone through that kind of struggle. I've been fortunate enough that I've uh, received a scholarship from a private institution. Um, the, but but in, in, you, you tend to see that happening in, in, around you in, in your circle.
1: Yeah. And what about have have your did your parents ever kind of tell you that as you were growing up? And what, did they make you aware about the race Because I know, like for example, um, black people or black parents, they always kind of tell their kids if they're black, like especially in, like in Western countries, that if you get stopped by the police or if you get accused of something just just don't do anything uh, rash because obviously the consequences as you can see in america is quite bad but i wonder if your parents have said anything to you how how early in your life were you aware of this segregation because it is basically systemic racism and this is like a system that's yeah. been set up from years and years ago that's kind of not been changed so when uh, how early did you know by and did your parents um do they kind of speak to you about it as well. Um,
2: I didn't think it was something my parents really talked about, um, you know, being Malaysian Indian and, you know, how, how we are, the expectation that is on us, but it was something that you experience um, even through schooling. I've been through local school my whole life, uh, from primary up to secondary. And uh, it's so it's, it's 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 around there. you just sense it. Like even sometimes, um, you know, being big, being, being uh, a, a non Malay, you tend to have different programs sometimes. Uh, yes, they do have some programs that you know cater to Muslims, but even then, when you have uh, even this that does not really have to do with religion, just purely on race, There's, if it does not concern us, you tend to go to a separate class. And uh, so you don't really mingle around that much. Um, That's on to break us up as well in school sometimes. Um, even during break times, you'd see people hanging out based on their race. Um, Personally, I don't. I, I don't feel like I've been that group that's been breaking up. I've been fortunate enough to have classmates in school that were very open. To this day, we keep in touch and keep contact with each other. And uh, even if for Ramadan, they would invite us over, or even for and just mix and mingle. Um, but it was definitely something. Growing up in school, you tend to see it happening um, indirectly.
1: Do you feel yeah. there's a segregate? You mentioned something really quick- quickly there, but do you think there's a segregation in terms of how you're treated based on your religion as well?
2: Um,
1: if subtly, nothing nothing too obvious,
2: but yeah, there is definitely uh, benefits in, in, in this country that you're treated based on uh, religion sometimes. But
1: I've heard, I've read like stuff like uh, how budgets are split. And if you're a Muslim in terms of like the mosques and the committees and stuff, they tend to get more of the budget. Uh, compared yeah. to like is that is that true is that how it works yeah i believe that that's quite true really but um you know you know
2: could never, never really argue why why that's the case is it because it's the majority um you know the practice of religion relations that why or but you can't really you know tell
0: i think it's i think it's tough with some of these topics as well because i i think coming from like a western uh a western country and coming from the uk um, sort of how to say this in a sense of uh, being quite tactical here is you know in the UK we have like a uh, a democracy and there's a lot of things where you know we as a country there's still so many issues but there are certain things and certain laws in place where you can obviously voice those opinions and and, and your views on certain things and things can potentially be changed, and that things have been changed, and things have pos, pos, uh, positively progressed. But there are aspects with Malaysia where there are certain uh, challenges with kind of voice in that. Um, and I think it's, you know, I I think as as an expat coming to Malaysia, like I was oblivious as to really anything about Malaysia when I moved here. Um, I don't know whether that's like a good thing or a bad thing. Like, you know, I quite like to just kind of land in somewhere. The first place I was in was in Egypt. And again, I didn't really know anything about Egypt before I went there. Mm. And you kind of learn a little bit. And I think my initial view when I first got here was one, how amazing Malaysia is in terms of how diverse and the food and the culture and the religion and everything. But it, I did, I, I did notice quite quickly, um, you know some kind of like uh, I don't know whether you can even call it subtle racism because some of it's very obvious but even just little comments here and there I mean we we did a topic on racism and, and Madge talked about some instances in, in school of his experience or even just growing up did you feel that you kind of experienced that quite obvious racism in school whether it was like forms of bullying or whether it was like from teachers or opportunities that arose or anything like that
2: yeah uh, sorry the connection is a bit unstable um, but I think about the gist of it so you if did I experience that in school yeah. uh, certainly or not um, I, think, I think there was moments where I felt that we were definitely treated uh, differently because of our race um, I could point out to one instance in school in high school um, where I felt Obviously, me and my friend, we are two Indians, and it was a final year project. And uh, we somehow did not seem to get the attention from the teacher or the treatment. So we, it felt indifferent for us. Like, we were left to figure out things on our own sometimes. Um, well, this wasn't very obvious, but you could, you could sense that she favored, he or she favored a certain um, race more and, and was much closer to them. Uh, could that be because you know they've got similarities? You know, is that why she's she he or she behaves like that? You know, I I never really dive into that, and think about it, but yeah, it was something. Yes.
1: it's interesting. Just uh, another observation I've kind of picked up, Joy. You're right because I think when you first initially come here, you like love it because of the diversity and like the food and the culture, like the religions, and it just seems like everyone just gets along with each other. But as soon as you stay for a little bit longer you start seeing especially like for me when i when i was with the uh these local guys like ethan and everyone they you just kind of hear it within their chat and 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 to be honest like even when i say local we it was like uh ethan like indian i had a malay friend and we had like a chinese friend they were like even that was a mix and um just from my observation was that what you tend to see uh as you as you stay here longer and longer is that how it would, people stay within their races so like all the Indians are together all the Chinese are together and then like the Malays are together even though they don't really have like a problem a face-to-face problem where it's like cause it's, there's no rift in there but it's just naturally people kind of go into that group and I kind of relate to that because that's how uh, it was like in the UK as well like when I talk about my area it's just natural for people to go into one area where everyone's kind of similar and has a similar belief and they've been brought up in the same way but um, my wife, Pearl, tells me, I remember when, we, when I first got here and she and I'm always outside teaching PE and I'm always outside trying to do outdoor activities. and I remember trying to get her to come outside and she's like, I don't want to go outside because I'll get darker. And I was like, so if you get darker, what's the problem? And she kind of said to me, well, if I get darker, people look down on me because by being darker, it means I've been out in the sun more. And if I've been out in the sun more, it means that I am a labourer. So it kind of i want ethan to kind of this is leading into a question is that generally from what i've heard they kind of look at like the the malaysian indians as like the laborers the ones who do all the work they look at like the chinese as the ones who do the business who drive the economy and then i don't really know what the role in malaysia i think in malaysia is more to do with like the government jobs if, I, if that's correct mm-hmm. i'm not 100 percent sure but when that is if that is the case and then you kind of been brought up with that you kind of end up believing in that right so it's Mm -hmm. like your role in society is that there's no other route for you so first of all ethan kind of like just explain to everyone if that's correct if i'm incorrect or whatever and then also how 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 does that have an impact on your insight in terms of like aspirations and goals and trying to trying to live a better life
2: yeah, actually, that is true. The perception people have on uh, Indians and Chinese being the business-minded business, uh, business minded people and the Indians being the laborers, that's, in fact, uh, something that, uh, you know, it's not been said publicly, but you just notice that's how people perceive us uh, or people perceive certain races in Malaysia. Um, it, it does hamper down sometimes your, your, your goal and uh, well, what you're trying to achieve sometimes. It, it does feel like you're limited. Uh, I do sense that sometimes when I look at it um you know um, when when I look at things some uh like say if you were to start a business as an Indian and I'll give you this uh, from a personal experience um my brother runs a business and uh, it's been there's been instances where he's approached um, companies that are predominantly run by you know uh, certain i mean police and he's he's approached them and after his business meeting with them, despite it being, uh, you know, they, they they like the product, they like what it is, uh, but he's left the meeting sensing that they didn't want to deal deal with him because he's Indian. Um, and it's immediately when they find out, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's he's approached them as a company, but when they find out who's behind the business, it's immediately they've got like a like they put a shutter in front of, the, of him, like you know, we don't want to really deal with. Um, Indians and uh, I, I, uh, is there someone else we can talk to? Something that they, they have said before. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: It's so very it's very stereotypical, isn't it? Like it's very stereotypes. Uh, yeah. With the views. Right. I want to ask another question. Then, uh, Ethan, is what's it like living as a local in an expat world? So more to do with just living, uh, being a local and then seeing expats around and the sort of lifestyles they live and stuff like that. And then also, we can also touch about international school. Maybe it's, it's a two part question. So what's it like living as a local in the expat world? What, what's your view?
2: Uh, well, I guess my view on it was sometimes when you are in an area where you are, you know, as a local and you be in an area where there's a lot of expats, it feels like you're the fo- you're the foreigner over there. Um uh, you tend to see them carry on in their day. It's fine, you know, they are having fun and all. But um sometimes it feels like when you're looked at being the mi- minority out the f- and the anomaly in the in the in the in the room, uh it tends to feel uh you do not belong there sometimes, even though it's, you know, your 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 area, your land. Um yeah.
0: Can I can I add there as well because uh I think as well, what we need to emphasize is uh, where you live in Malaysia can sometimes feel like certain, uh, uh, I bet you, bet like the comment you made there, you would feel more like that in certain areas. There's like, yeah. e- I would call it like expat bubbles of, yeah. of where there's like around certain schools or around certain high rise buildings or that, and I mean, I've even had... You know, when we've driven to fixtures, kids have identified, oh, this is where all the white people live. And you go, what? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what type of comment was that? Oh, this is where all the expats live. Okay. Um, you know, and you kind of hear that out loud and then you think, oh, no, it really is where every expat lives. You know, every business kind of says, oh, you know, they direct to their family. So, so just to put that into context as well, where you live, I bet is blows up even more sometimes yeah
2: that is true in fact uh, yeah you do have that bubble of where the expats live um, yeah so it does feel whenever you step into that area uh, usually the just- usually
1: the usually the areas that are affluent affluent areas are where the expats live don't they and then where yeah. the where the expats live are generally where there's like more bars and restaurants and western restaurants and western food and not much local is there so for someone I know where you live Ethan because I used to live in that area as well and from from there to where I live now is completely different. When I say it's like it's like <laughs> a different Malaysia. Um yeah what else what else um do, do you find different being a local in an like an in an expat world like that? Uh I think yeah I mean just being that when you when you
2: when you look at that the fact that when they go out and mingle, they don't really take the opportunity to to learn about their surroundings, especially in the local scene and the culture. Uh, you know, where, where I work, you know, 800 meters that way is as local it's as it is as local as it gets. Mm-hmm. There's uh, plenty of local foods to try, you know, there's local hangout spots, but 200 meters that way is where people tend to go to all the time. Um, so, uh, you know, as, as a as a local and expert world, sometimes I feel that, you know, I, I would think personally, even for me, if I were to be traveling or to work abroad in another country, you know, you should definitely take the opportunity to learn the culture and understand the people and, and you know, so you're a bit more um, sensitive because that has come around a few times in conversations where it felt like uh, a remark was made that, you know, there was an understanding to my culture and... Uh, how I was brought up in what's local to our sense,
1: mm. yeah. And is that is that is that consistent with other local people as well? I know I'm not try, I'm trying to not get you to represent like an MP and speak for everyone, but I mean, within your local, local friends and stuff, is that like a common or a consistent thing that they think as well? Uh, I've,
2: I've done one or two, yeah. We have agreed with
1: this, yeah. Mm. So All right. uh, I, would, I, would, I don't know what to say, if it's common, but uh, yeah, definitely from the people there. that you know. Yeah, all right, Joe. How about how about you? Like, how, what's what's your experience uh, and listening to Ethan? What what's your kind of thought process?
0: Um, I I am probably prone to this into in the sense of being that classic ex, expat in the bubble, um, and I think sometimes it can come out of um, convenience. Um, sometimes it can come out of. Uh, uh, maybe even like, maybe even laziness, but also just like a lack of awareness. And maybe, maybe that, that sense, of, uh, I know we've kind of spoken about it before as well as like that stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit, I think, uh, you know, where, where I used to live, it was just, um, Malaysian Chinese, um, very quite an affluent area. And it was just, it was just the, um, place that was advised to us when we moved out here, um and you kind of don't really know any different now i came, you know i came from egypt so having certain uh, western supermarkets and restaurants and things with within easy access was actually like a really big thing because in egypt when i was there it was it was really hard to access anything anything western so Even though that wasn't necessarily a big issue, you kind of miss certain branded food from from back home. Those kind of like home comforts, and I think initially in that first year when we moved here, it was like, wow, like you can get all this Western stuff here, but also have like this amazing weather and this amazing other food as well. Like, you know, I mean, we we spent most of our time when we first got here, like going to like the banana leaf and just being blown away at like how cheap it was but mm-hmm. but saying that i know that also isn't as cheap as it could be because that's a branded banana leaf and that's a chain banana leaf which you know at the time we're like oh we're eating really local well that's not really that's like a westernized local mm-hmm. would you agree
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. so
0: so you know it's it's an interesting one, and I, and I think I'm I'm really bad. In in Egypt, I was better with the language. And Madge will get on at me about this. I know he he's dying to to get on at me. But when I was in Egypt, um, we actually had lessons, um, Arabic lessons, and Arabic's super tough. But I was proud of myself that I kind of what we would call is like a taxi Arabic. So you were able to have a really basic conversation just to be like hi how are you like what's your name and then like give them directions as to where you kind of needed to go which you know was actually really helpful in Egypt because taxi drivers despite having GPS in their phones and maps they just wouldn't ever and they would just kind of Mm -hmm. especially if like an expat and a white expat got in the back, they might also see dollar signs and think, actually, I might take a few extra loops here and get a little bit more money uh, with it being on the meter. But here, I wouldn't say I've made no attempt. I haven't even had that opportunity where language has ever been an, an issue. And I think that can sometimes be a barrier to then going to more local spots um you know uh it just little examples even like we were in Langkawi, uh a few weeks ago for the for the break and we'd gone on like a on like a, a bit of a hike and we'd gone outside of our hotel to try get some like more local food and better food and we went to a, a place where they didn't have a menu and they didn't have anything on the board because obviously it was just like you know a kitchen was open and you could obviously just ask for whatever and i found that was the first time in a long time in malaysia where i felt like what what do i say unfortunately you know we got by and we were able to ask Mm -hmm. um for like a kind of chicken rice and then she was like "Yeah, yeah, yeah do you want this and we figured it out but i think it's that i think it's the fact that you never need to know the language in so many occasions that i've never I've never pushed myself to do it and I think that's bad and I know Madge thinks it's really bad I but I would question, I, it. I would question and this is controversial, I would question whether Madge would do it if his wife wasn't, uh, wasn't Malay or did, Indian I, Malay.
1: I did it way before. You sure? I did it way before mate, I was fluent before I met <laughs> Damn it. Now, uh, I wanted to ask you, Joe, before before I kind of talk a little bit more, but um, what do you think you would need to do more to kind of like mingle in? What do you think would be like your priorities? Um,
0: I think something that we do really nicely within our school or within our department, shall I say, is we've got some um, uh, amazing like local staff within our department. And we always make a real conscious thing of like whenever we try to do like social events or dinners, we always get the local guys to kind of choose a restaurant. I mean, despite the fact that mm. Madge always wants to just go to Chili's, um, <laughs> so we exciting. always, like, kind of ask him, like, "Oh, like, choose a hot pot place, choose a local place, choose a what's your, like, favorite. And we, we went to, like, an amazing place. Um, it was more of, like, a Chinese restaurant, wasn't it? But it was in this, like, massive, massive, like, hangar. It was amazing. And it was um, out towards the other side of KL. And it's just being exposed to it. And I suppose that for me is just being a little bit more exposed to it. The language probably would be a, would be a, a help. Mm. But then as again, it's like, you know, language is, uh, is so diverse here as well.
1: So, um, yeah, I'd say like for me, uh, when I first came here in 2012, uh, for four years, I was kind of living off a local wage anyway. Um, uh, Not as local as Ethan was getting, but a little bit better. (laughs) So, as being the expat in that school, I was still getting a little bit better than Ethan, which is something we'll talk about in a bit. But it was still very, very local. Like I had to kind of like watch how I spent my money, and that kind of forced me to think like a local as well, because I had to be very careful with with the money. Mm -hmm. But the thing was, in that in that school, was there was only like I think ten expats out of like maybe over 150 teachers or something, and I don't know how many teachers there were, but there were a lot of teachers and. They were mainly like locals and um one thing that did was force force us to um mingle in with with the locals and and to be honest it's the one that's the main thing that i miss from my life right now because i was thinking if i just came into this school right now my second time being in malaysia in this area that we're in now whether i would still be uh, or try to be as local and try to mingle in and to be honest I'm going to disagree with you. I know you're shaking your head, but um, I I would say it would have been difficult for me to find time to go and put myself out there because of just how life is right now with the kids and stuff, where when when I was single the first time I was here, I would like go to the gym after school and then just spend like four or five hours with these guys and just going and sitting in a, a street stall and Talking for hours, and that was a good thing actually, because these guys would just take me to different spots around the around the city, like whatever cuisine that you fancied, and it was so cheap, and you just spend hours just. There. And that's what Malaysia's is about, in it, is everything's done through food, in it, really. Mm. Um And then obviously being in that area that I lived, where Ethan lives, it's not English is not as spoken. So there's still English there, but I mean, it's not as spoken. So you did have to learn the language a little bit in egypt as well like i had to learn the language to get by there and uh, i took lessons for like two years i've pro- forgotten everything but it, it really helped getting by and even ordering food and directions and stuff like that so you knew the key word but Malay's such an easy language to learn mm. compared to any other language i think but i would say joe like even if i was in this situation even now like i would say my malay I know most of it, I would say 90% from my first time I was here, but I'm still learning my Malay and it still builds on. So, like, um, there's not many situations where I have to use Malay. So, like, mainly it's like when I need to go to the garage to fix my bike or my car there, like, the local areas, or go to the restaurant, like, a local food area. But what I do is, even in restaurants where I don't need to use Malay, I still use Malay. So, I'm very comfortable, like, in ordering food in Malay. Um, I can pretty much... Do that and understand it and i will still do that and then there's instances where like for example um i'll go to the motorbike shop the first time and they all spoke when they hardly spoke any english uh, and i and i didn't know what to say to them and i kind of like used you know hand signs or wherever to kind of get my order but the next time i went i went home and i was like how do i say this to pearl and how do i say that and then next time i would go and try it so then i would use those words and then i'd be lost again because i don't know what they're saying to me so <laughs> but it's it's building on it like that so it's like when i get stuck i'll go back home and pearls there obviously pearls there but i would ask how would i say that and then i would then try to use it so even though i don't need to use the language i still think it's it's one of the biggest ways to connect to culture and even like um even though i'm not listen to conversations but when i listen to a conversation i can pick up a lot of the words if i read stuff on on the billboard or wherever i can still pick up a lot of the words Mm. so i can get the gist of a conversation um so i think that there is that effort that needs to be put there um but i would also like say yeah um the one thing i do really miss is having that part in my life like where it was part it was part of my life first time around where it's not part of my life now but the because the, I've got the grounding with Ethan and a few of my other friends and the fact that Pearl's local, I can still keep in touch with the local side of it. And to be honest, when I was here the first time around, I felt more local than I felt expat. That's strange, yeah. isn't it? Where here now, I feel more expat than I feel local this time around. And I think it's just because of my bubble and also now getting paid better and the affluent area that I live in. And like you said, Just like even the supermarkets, they're the highest standard. The shops around you, the restaurants around you, the highest standard. The fact you don't have to be forced to be in that situation. So, and I don't like that feeling. To be honest, I don't. I don't like. I don't like being like that. And but I'm kind of lucky that I've had that grounding uh, from before. Um, Ethan, can I ask
0: a language question, Ethan?
1: Yeah. You better not not test me on my knowledge.
0: No. 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 (laughs) Something that something that always interests me, um, and I mean, this might not be completely right if you're, if obviously some of your comments earlier, I know you have a friendship group where you have, uh, you know, local, Malay, Malay, Indian, Malay, Chinese, and so on. When it is a big, diverse group of friends, what's the language that you speak?
2: Everything. You just mix it all up.
0: See that's that's the interesting one as well because I was I was wondering whether it was going to be that because one thing in Egypt that always used to blow my mind and I can't remember what they used to use that what the what it was on text but they the kids and it amazed me because I think as as a lot of uh, a lot of English people uh, language is not taught as much or not seen as 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 important as other other countries. But it blew, blew my mind where kids would like flip in and out of Arabic mm. and English, flip back and forth. And I think sometimes I see it here as well where you're flipped between Malay yeah. and English. And then we see it in, in our school a lot, flip between Mandarin and English, Mandarin and English or Korean and English. And and it just blows my mind that your brain can work but mixing sentences, mixing words. But I was interested that because majority of our kids i think speak english to each other or if they're in a a bubble of like friends that can all speak malay they they might speak malay or mandarin i think but i was wondering whether there was a
1: mix that's um uh, another thing i want to kind of mention as well where that kind of divide happens because um when you speak to like our kids are probably like a bad example but they like only know the Chinese or Mandarin or Cantonese, for example, and the Indians kind of just know Tamil, but they don't know that national language, which is the Malay that kind of gets neglected. Mm -hmm. So it's just like either Mandarin or now it's becoming English um, because they're international school there. But when they're at home, uh, some parents speak to them in Mandarin, but a lot of them still speak in English. Um, So that kind of connection of being able to connect with each other in your three different races is what's the connecting language? Because if everyone's kind of learning their own, Mm. and also the fact is the way they see each other as well, like they see themselves as Chinese, and also the culture as well is very, very strong. I'm very surprised that there's not much of a culture mix in terms of the actual culture itself. So I'm talking about a Chinese culture, an Indian culture and a Malay culture, but I don't see much of them mixing together. It's kind of still very, very separate and they're very, very proud of their own culture, right? Um, And and then that that kind of makes that divide, makes them divide a little bit more in it. Because there's lots and lots of different ways that they're divided. Ethan, I want to get you back into the chat. Um, What's, I know this uh, because Pearl, my wife, always, it's one of the things that she hit that sits on her mind a lot. And it's also one of the things I really, really hate. But um, me, Pearl's a teacher, I'm a teacher, but the difference just because of my passport is I get paid two, three times more than her for doing the same job. And I wanted you to kind of share your perspective on that. Um, And also, does that create a divide within the schools or within from the expat to the local? What do you think?
2: Uh yeah, there's definitely that feeling of uh you know unfairness because when I look at myself, I've got pretty much sometimes um, the same qualification as someone who studied in the UK. I've obtained my degree uh as a UK qualification. Um same as well as well. She was my senior, of course. Um but it's 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 quite um you know, the that unfair feeling when you get because you're a local instantly, you fall under the local uh, band of, pay, of of salary. So you do not get the, the same amount, even though you could be equally qualified. Uh, that's definitely a feeling that, you know, there's always that, but you, you kind of think of what can you do if, you know, you want to be home, you want to be in, in your country, but then you, you can't get the same uh, benefits, say so what tends to happen is you know uh, i've got friends who've just decided you know you can't get this you need to go abroad and uh so they just fly abroad and teach there.
1: Yeah, yeah i think but, with with pearl that's the same thing that like we're here in malaysia right now but i know at some point we're going to move and the reason why we're going to move is because of that is that she yeah. she can get an expat salary outside of malaysia where we both get paid equally but here there's such a big difference and it kind of does a head in because like you said, she's working in a school with expats who are probably less experienced than her. Probably have the same qualifications. The teaching quality is either the same or better. Wherever it doesn't really matter about the quality, but she get paid less just because of her passport, just because she's local. What's the what's the general attitude of like local staff uh, when they have to work in an environment like that? I think um, generally they quite you know you don't have much choice, really. You wouldn't
2: want to think about going to a local school, of course. Um, You know, being a government, someone has its benefits. But I don't think, in my personal view, that this generation tends to look at that as something that you would uh, want to get into. So as teachers of this, you know, my generation, we tend to look at international schools and private schools because uh, that's where you get the better money sometimes. But also it just, it opens up... uh, they door for you to to go internationally or abroad to get you know better pay and better experience uh so my view i think you're left with no choice really but you know just having to get on with it and uh, do your job and you know you're, you're a teacher because you enjoy doing it but you know at the back of my mind it's always that this is unfair you know i don't feel like this
1: is right but do you think do you think that unfairness causes a divide between the expat teachers and the and the local teachers? Like if that's always in the back of your mind?
2: Uh, not not to me. No, uh, I don't look at that as something that should you know I should feel indifferent towards the expat teachers. Um, but I think it, typically it doesn't. Have, I mean, they're they're not at fault it to be. They've come here of course to seek uh, for an experience. or, you know, better pay. That's no no fault on them on that side. So it's just how. You know management and schools have seen that and you know what they think is right is you know it's it's not right really but it's just we, we don't feel anything towards them Is what i'm trying to say but no it's just isn't
0: just it management. it's it's a really yeah it's a really interesting one and me and madge have spoken about this quite a lot before and i, I kind of throw different opinions these aren't necessarily just my views but also um from like a school point of view as well I mean, I remember like in in Egypt, we had a a local guy who was our PE technician and he was amazing. Like he was, he was great. Um, And he had a a PE teaching, a PE teaching qualification. So exactly the same as me. I did a four year um, PE teaching qualification and he had a similar, it was like two, three year PE teacher qualification. But. Um, he was actually going to be paid more as a um, as a teaching assistant in the private school that I worked at um, than he would if he taught at a local school as a PE teacher. Mm. Now, from a from then a financial point of view and his progression, um, he enjoyed actually then working with expats and working with international people, um, Brits and Americans and so on because he he felt and this is you know after conversation with me, he felt he was learning lots from the experience of um, people who had that experience in the UK, in America, in Australia, or wherever. And he felt that that was actually going to benefit him more. And he was great to the point where, you know, he was kind of helping out teaching lessons. But one thing I suppose from a uh, a teacher point of view and this is now from my experience as like a head of department where I have um, been on interview with people and interviewed people and and gone through that whole process trying to apply for um, getting people and applications in for jobs is there's a level of rigor um, that some of the local qualifications and I, and I know this from uh, here and in Egypt where maybe you don't have from some of the uh, English or American qualifications, and especially specific to, if you want to work in a uh, a British Mm. curriculum school. So from that side of view, I can kind of sometimes get it. I think for me, sometimes I also understand, and you've made this comment as well is, if you're British with a British degree, it doesn't necessarily make you a better teacher. And I've seen Mm -hmm. some really bad British teachers with British degrees or whatever Um, and I've worked with and I currently am working with locals that have either local degrees or have had um, uh, uh, like a kind of association link with British universities or have gone to the uh, England for university that are much better teacher but are still on a lot less wage than as as an expat because of that passport. And that's always gonna be the the gray area, I think, isn't it? Because those people are not necessarily anomalies, but I know that you're a really good teacher. I know that Pearl is a great teacher, but from a local standpoint, that's where it is at. Um, Mm. I don't know, we could go back. This is a bigger topic as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but I just Mm kind of want to mention something as well is that, you know, like, we have the opportunity to do a PGCE or a teaching qualification, right? And same with a lot of Western countries. So there is, I get you, there's that standardized uh, route and you can kind of make sure that all the teachers have been trained the same way. But on the other side, Ethan doesn't have the opportunity because he has the local teaching qualification that he can take, but that's not necessarily great, right? So, and then he can't do the British PGCE because he's not in England, or he can't do a Western one because he's not there. So now there is that international PGCE but then even that sometimes gets looked at a bit different because it's not done the traditional way. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the options available to them like what, how are they supposed to get out of that situation, is it? So that's one thing and I, I I I agree with you in terms of like the quality of teaching. Um it doesn't 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 matter what race you're at really and to be honest like after a certain time the qualification kind of gets dissolved and it's all about experience and um that kind of overtakes it but there's a couple of things as well that kind of i i, I always wish there's a school that just takes a step and just pays everyone equally i i, I wish there was but the the thing is is that it's that, it's that system in place like ethan said where they're a business at the end of the day international schools mm-hmm. um and they're gonna get cheaper teachers by paying uh, sorry they're gonna pay locals cheaper salary because that's what the requirement is and even that salary is a little bit better than what they would get in local schools. So even the locals are a little bit happier, but it's just another way of them making more money in it. And the second thing is, is how parents perceive teachers as well. They see a white skinned person. It doesn't, like even me, like they don't know that I'm expert until I open my mouth. But if <laughs> if they see a white person, they just automatically think that they're a better teacher. And even when a local Teachers in school, there's always problems, especially if it's a heavily expat school. Um, they have problems with that because they think, "Well, I'm paying the top dollar, I want the best teachers," and they just automatically perceive that, uh, perceive it as that. So, there's also that stereotype that you're you're always fighting against. um th- What, Ethan? Yeah, no, I was going to say that that stereotype
2: you're talking about as well. You know, um, it's something I grew up with as well. We tend to look at you know, before I entered to the international school, scene, um I grew up thinking, you know, white people are better, you know, they they are so much better at things, look at how they develop their countries. And I agree yeah, in that sense, when you look at Malaysia, and I guess when you compare, um, you still got a long ways to go. But uh, as I stepped into, you know, the international school, and I realized that, you know, that, that mentality that was brought down on me, it seemed to be not... Not so true in that sense because um, you know it maybe question a lot of things like uh, in terms of how our school operates. You know why 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 do you not choose a local who's clearly better qualified or you know better experience? And and I agree that sometimes it's to cater for that 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 tend, that mentality we have in Malaysia.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I th- I think there's also like. Um... Oh go on Joe, you wanna are oh, we gonna change points, but you go on. I, I just wanted to say as well one thing, this this isn't meant
0: to uh be controversial or anything as well, but one thing that I was very aware of, um, and it was it was an interesting thing that came up, Madge, you might have experienced this before in Egypt is like um how much you get paid is is relative in the sense of and what I mean by that is um you as an expat we get paid more. Than, than locals but i know that and then this is the the reason why i say it's controversial the difference that we're getting paid is not always relative but i always there was a, a kind of like they called it a driver's caf and it was a cafe on the side where all of the bus drivers used to um, buy food and snacks and things like that and this was in egypt and i always remember this time when i went and or got my food and it was, it was like local, very cheap food. It was, you know, a couple of the bus ladies cooked it out the back there and it was great food, but, you know, it was just local stuff. And, um, and I paid my money. I came back and then my TA said, oh, how much did you pay for it? And I said, oh, like, you know, whatever it was. I can't even remember, you know, 12 LE or something, you know, which is about one pound twenty at the time. Um, mm-hmm. and he was like, Oh my God, Oh my God. Like I'm going to go speak to them. And it was made this like little bit of a, a thing here, but basically they, they charged all of the teachers, the expat teachers more money. Mm-hmm. So at the time, like I remember him being like really offended that like they were overcharging me. And then I, I kind of like had these conversations and some expat teachers were like annoyed at it. They were like, Oh, why, why are we getting it? Why, why are we paying loads more money for it? And it's just that awareness that like, there are certain things that are more expensive as an expat. And you just need to accept that, well, it, relatively that's, that's fine. And there are certain things that are cheaper as a local. Yeah. But I think what we need to get better at, and, and this is, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. we don't have any control of this magic. If we did, it would be a different looking school maybe or, or different looking economy. But to close that gap, would be better because mm-hmm. I think if, if we're unable to, if as expats we're unable to access certain local grants or, um, I don't know, privileges or whatever else, then that's different and that might allow us to then be paid a little bit more. But if the gap is actually way too big, then that causes the, the feelings that you're talking about, Ethan, of, well, mm-hmm. it just feels a bit unfair, like if teachers were getting like 10% more than you but you knew that they were like you know paying more for housing or you could access like a better loan you know bank privileges or you know these little I'm just off the top of my head then that's accepting but it's not that is it that's the long-winded point I'm trying to make (laughs) it you
1: know like in India like when you when you went to the Taj Mahal. The difference there was always an ex uh, foreign price and a local price. So, like, mm-hmm. if I remember rightly, it was twenty rupees for uh, a local and seven hundred fifty rupees for an expat, a foreigner. And uh, the reason why is like at first I remember you going to all these places, all these two prices. I could, I always blended as an Indian anyway, so <laughs> I always got the local price. But Daniel was with me, being the white guy, he'd have to pay the full price, and. um the the idea behind it is that we can afford that and that's where they're going to get the money from that's where they're going to make the t- tourism money and stuff and they also still want the locals to be able to access it so like you said it's relative uh, to to that and yeah. to be honest 750 rupees is like a tenner so that's nothing to go and what to go and see the taj mahal where 10 20 rupees is probably equivalent to some of the locals like yeah. about a tenner you know so it, it is relative Um, Just moving on, Ethan, I just kind of wanted to touch on um, expat privileges and the attitudes, to be honest, to kind of finish off on. Um, And I'm guilty of this from the start because I remember coming into that first school that we worked at and I kept Mm -hmm. saying a lot. And I know this has happened to a lot of people. So I kept saying a lot when I was working there, when things weren't the same as they were back in the UK, I would always kind of say, oh, but this is how we used to do in the UK. And Mm -hmm. I remember in the first year, I I kept saying that because I thought that that's what the international schools, especially when a lot of them want to have that British education or want that British uh, culture or whatever. And it was like that expat uh, privilege or Western or British privilege even of that, well, we do it the right way. Um, So this is how we did it in the UK. So we should do the same. And then after kind of a year, I was kind of like thinking, why why am I being an idiot for? Because... First of all, I'm not in the UK, I'm in an international school and what makes it, what makes me think that everyone wants to kind of do it to a UK standard and I've heard it since and it makes me cringe, but also I was guilty of it as well. So my question is this, that in in the working place or or even outside of the working place, what what sort of uh, attitudes do you see that would be good for others to kind of listen to and kind of just kind of reflect on and maybe change as well. Well, oh, um, could you repeat the question again? So you can, walk? I We're forgot the question. Now. With... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like, What's what's what do you think? Like, expats they have there is a expat privilege, so what could we do better yeah. as expats to kind of make sure that we don't abuse our privilege, especially in a, right. maybe in a school setting or even outside uh, outside yeah. the workplace?
2: Uh, yeah, I think um, just, you know, I think just if you were to really immerse yourself in the local culture and understand it better, you know, I think you'll be a bit more sensitive to, to what was going on. Um, because I tend to feel, because, you know, you, you use, like you said, there's a bubble always where you live, the expert bubble. Um, they tend to have this uh, expectation that, Everything around that should meet up to their standards. But that's not the case really, uh, when you go into a local scene. So it's it's just having that understanding really, and being open that uh you know, it's it's different. It's different when you lift that bubble.
0: Yeah. I I think for me when I when I was in Egypt I did a lot of what you're talking about, Madge. Mm-hmm. Because Egypt I felt like just there were so many things that just didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, whereas here in Malaysia there are lots of things that still don't make sense to me but I still think it works a lot better sometimes than the UK um, mm. there's so many things that I really like uh, you know about that you can do here you know everything's on WhatsApp you can mm. you can fix anything at any time of the day like you know and there's so many little things we spoke about this in one of our other episodes about the uh, fork and spoon no, I, no, that's just, just between us. <laughs> was it just between us? Yeah, yeah. it was like, what, what
1: would we take from this culture that wow, would be back? Fork to the and UK? spoon,
0: it's amazing. Like you know, um, but yeah, I, th- I think, uh, I think immersing ourselves. I think, I think I definitely need to do more of it. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I think as well, like once things start to open up as well, just try, and I think already once things have opened up is kind of putting towards going to these like little local areas and um, kind of doing activities outside as well of KL because yeah. as soon as you drive like what 15 minutes outside you're like oh this is this is Malaysia not yeah. high rises and it is like 10-15 minutes I feel like everything is, is very close in Malaysia in the sense of uh, mm. when you're in that bubble it's like a 5 minute radius and then as soon as you leave that boom this is you know
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's quite hard to like, kind of like go out there and say, look, I'm going to hold a placard and say, I'm looking for a local friend. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, how do you do it? You're not just going to go to a local area and just say, look, I want to be a friend with you. But there's got to there's gotta be a way of trying. And like for me, like I said, I'm really, really lucky that I've had this grounding before from my first experience. And I don't really have that mm-hmm. craving where I need to go and look out for anymore. But I was kind of thinking that if I did come just the second time round, and that was my first experience, I would have been the same as every other expat that I know around here. Um, Mm. But I know that I would, I just from me and my personality, I would have definitely tried to learn a little bit of the language. Like, I I do want to learn the language fluently, but um, I don't, like you said, I don't have that exposure to it where I don't need to do it. In Egypt, you had to learn a little bit Mm. Arabic to get by, where in Malaysia, you don't need to do it, but I'm still trying to pick up, a couple of words each week or whenever there's a new situation trying to pick up words there and just trying to add add it to my repertoire you know right shall we um go to the quick fire questions joe yeah go for it thanks ethan for that as well
0: um quick fire questions i'm gonna start with the first actually mad you start with the first one i always do the first one
1: all right uh what is one book Podcast, movie, or series that you would recommend to someone and why?
2: Um, I think this is a podcast that you suggested much that I really got into was the high performance podcast. Get it in from yeah, our commission. Uh, <laughs> no, I really enjoyed the podcast when you told me the first time. And I think um, I was a big fan of F1, and I just listened to a pod, Total Wolf. That was just a, a series, of uh, an episode of series of Total Wolf that got me really thinking, you know, like it's podcasts like this that really. I should be listening to because when you look at individuals who like high, like like the podcast says high performance, it really makes me reflect on my performance in terms of work and life. And uh, you know, but not but it's just not things that I'm interested in. I tend to listen to you know they, they've got quite a wide range of people they interview in their podcast. Um, you know, fashion designers all the way to CEOs of companies, and it's just nice to see how you know um, these people excel in what they do. And it makes me reflect as well, in terms of my performance as a teacher or some of in international school, um, what can I take from that and apply to really excel in what I do.
1: Um, yeah, that, that was a really good podcast that I enjoyed. So yeah, thanks for that. Nice no, sure one. I think I should get in touch with I Performance and tell them to listen to our podcast, <laughs> eh? I'm always advertising them. All
0: right. Second question. Uh, what's the most important character trait you think everybody should develop? most important um, character trait
2: I guess honestly that's a big one i feel, ah, I feel that's like that. something that's yeah it's pretty lost nowadays you know i mean even from the simplest thing just just to be honest about it um i feel it's really rare nowadays that people are truly honest about what they feel um this could be you know from a friendship level to a relationship level um you know obviously there'll be friction i feel but then I always feel being honest at least about your feelings, and you know, uh, working things out from there. Just talking about it—it's always a better outcome than you being dishonest about it slightly. And, you know, you know it's going to come back around.
0: And I like that. To- we haven't had honesty before. That's a—that is a good one.
1: <laughs> All right, last question, Ethan.
0: uh
1: What's your best tip to develop productivity? Oh,
2: um, well, to me is to always dedicate the time in a zone that, uh, that if, you're good, if you're about to do work or if you're about to start something, it's the dedicated a space. Um, it's something I do. If I'm going to be sitting on my laptop, I've already set in my mind, I'm going to maybe go to a cafe. And if I'm there, I think that's that's my ideal setting. I think it's different for everyone. Mm. But I find what works for me is if I set a place and a time and I make the journey there. As soon as I'm, as I've seated down or if I'm about to start a workout, I'm focused and I'm the most productive I'll be.
0: Yeah. That's I quite like that one. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. I yeah. quite like um, working in like a coffee shop or... I remember um, when I was trying to f- uh, finish off my master's, I went and mm. we were traveling, but I went and found like a library. And I was like, yeah, I was a little bit like you there, way. So as soon as I got yeah. in there, you, it, you, it, your mindset changes, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Coffee shops are tough though, because I, I can't help but watch people. You know, like people <laughs> watching... I'd got. Ha- I've got to have my back
1: to people. Right. Nosey, yeah, it's nausea. the opposite for me. <laughs> I, li- I like the coffee shop, but I don't drink coffee, so it's a bit of a problem. <laughs> but, uh, I definitely, I definitely agree with. It. Uh, like, even just like through lockdown, just not doing work at home and doing it somewhere else is. Uh, it was yeah. definitely a big thing that I did. Anyway, uh, Ethan, thanks for coming on. I appreciate how difficult yeah. and uh, yeah. sometimes a little bit awkward some of those questions and answers were. But really appreciate, yeah, you sharing that, and I hope that other people who listen to it um, just take something, at least one or two things, to kind of reflect on and see if they can do a little bit more.
0: Yeah, thanks, Ethan. Thanks for I, I I appreciate the uh, your openness um, to it, and uh, yeah, very political as well in some of your answers. I think it was good, but noted. Yeah, thanks very much. Hopefully,
1: uh, when Joe comes on, he'll, he'll learn a little bit more of the language, that like couple of words or something. Uh, I mean, yeah, when yeah. he next sees you. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Don't right, test Ethan. me.
1: All right, Ethan. Take All care, right. man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. Right. Yeah, so what did you think of that episode, Joe? Um, really interesting. I think...
0: Um, I think... I th- I th- one thing i thought which he didn't mention and i was kind of hoping he would but i still think it's it's worth kind of bringing up is um language not necessarily um the actual languages in malay or mandarin chinese cantonese or so on but uh kind of just how we approach these conversations um and we've spoken about it when we talked about ethnicity and culture we spoke about it in race and we speak about it with a lot of the topics is just like how you approach those conversations and the language um and being mindful of like what you say um and i think that's a sign of respect isn't it mm. you're not i think as as westerners sometimes we have this uh you know oh i can say what i want you know it's free speech and you know in in the uk like there's there's a lot of uproar with like people being told what to do because it just goes against your rights Um, and I think sometimes like you know when things are said in a derogatory way towards people or not even meant to be said in a derogatory way but they are that you just need to be aware of what you're saying Um, and I think you know I was aware of this before when I was uh, very new to Egypt and I was talking about my money and and I was talking about it um, talking about the money that I was on. And I was just, I was so ignorantly oblivious to the fact that I was on so much more than some of the local staff in the office. And I wasn't saying it as like I was bragging about it, I was just identifying something about the money that had just come in my wages. And bear in mind, at the time, I was also super excited to be being paid better than what I was in the UK. But it's just that awareness, isn't it? Like now I would never talk about money. I would never talk about bonuses or this pay or housing or the, the, what I would call the privileges as expats do get. And I think you need to be aware of that. And I suppose even, I mean, we were probably prone to saying it even on the podcast today, things were cheap, things were expensive. Like I think when you say things are cheap and I say it all the time, oh, I had a really cheap meal and then i think to myself was it cheap or am i just have i just got my like expat hat on that like oh i think that's cheap and it's not you know and actually by saying that i'm missing the point so yeah i think language is important and uh learning a language is also important yeah just just a,
1: just a little bit about languages that um when i when i went to china i was there for about three months and i remember just finding that place so frustrating just because of the language like no one spoke english at all like i mean mm-hmm. the only place you could get english was when you stayed in the hostels and it was even broken english there so a lot of the time i had to use like the lonely planet books and just point at things and hope that i got to a destination or got a ticket to the right thing or wherever and it was really frustrating and it was, that was like one of those expat privileges and i was like we live in the 21st century man like why why can't people speak english it's, it's an international language but their mindset there was that well why do we have to learn english why don't you have, exactly. why don't you learn mandarin and that completely switched it you know it's like yeah. that that sort of attitude that we have as westerners sometimes is that um we're more developed than the rest of the world we we have a better education system and we're more, um, uh, what's the word, liberal in the way we think and our laws and stuff. So, and everyone else is kind of backwards. And that's kind of sometimes how we can come across, uh, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. Um, and and that's what I, I kind of, hopefully people will take from from like what you said as well, in terms of language as well, like how easily it is to say something that could be sensitive, but for us, it's, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But I know that I know that from being with my, and I shouldn't call them local friends because they're not categorizing. But in this context, like being with with the local friends, is that I know that they appreciate uh, the liberal views and the way we do things, and that's what they get from the friendships with being expats, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though they live in a democracy and it is quite like Western out here compared to other Asian countries the the way people local people tend to think is also very different to what it looks like so I know that they uh, like my local friends they do really appreciate that side of the expats but also sometimes we don't understand the other point of view like where they're coming from as well you know
0: and I think as well what we have to be mindful of is we would have we would always have that ability to be able to leave mm. and we would have that ability to if anything was said that was wrong if we were in in any um if we basically had any issues we could leave and it's harder to leave um if if you are local to malaysia and i think it's harder to travel that that's not saying that they're banned from traveling but cost and visas and, and everything else I think that's something that you need to be, we all need to be aware of, and I, I'm definitely prone to it sometimes, but being aware of like, um, and and I've heard it lots, is people knocking Malaysian government or knocking Malaysia, because it's easy to knock something where you actually have no affiliation to it, mm. and you're happy to be here and reap the benefits, but actually, you're not quite supporting it. Um, and it's easy for us to knock it when we are actually aren't affected by it. However, local staff and, and local people that we know or friends are affected by it. Hmm. So we can't just be like, oh, this is, this is ridiculous with government. Because actually we can say that because we're not you know, um, affected by it very much at all. And I think that is that's something that I'm mindful of and also mindful of other people and I'd be the first to kind of say, mm, you know, it's not that bad though, is it? And I don't think we can really say that. And it's different in our position and, and just try to like evoke that kind of like, just kind of go against it. I'm not going to start arguments with people over it, but it's just like, mm, just you need to Look, be aware that, of what you're that's saying. That's
1: the same. That's the same as what I said about like when we compare things. It's, it's basically comparison. What we're doing is comparing yeah. how it is back home to. What, yeah, he's here, what you here making earlier. a comparison yeah so it's exactly what I said about earlier Like, and mm-hmm. the frustrations are there but to a local that's all they know so exactly it's um, it's a very different uh, way of looking at things anyway Joe let's finish it there man I'll see Thank you in the you next episode much. mate
0: alright take care six right. next time number six
1: yeah, I'll tell you next time can't <laughs> believe you don't even know what day is, mate alright man take, take care. care see you later bye bye
0: Hi guys, thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, go ahead and subscribe. Share it with someone if you think they might enjoy it or if they might learn something new.
1: If you have any comments or would like to join us on an episode, email us at much at gmail.com.